Welcome to the Fire Learning Trail. The Fire Learning Trail is brought to you by the Fire Learning Network, the Consortium of Appalachian Fire Managers and Scientists, the Nature Conservancy, and the USDA Forest Service. Your guide on this trail is Michael Weeks with the South Carolina Forestry Commission, and I'm Jen Bunty with the Consortium of Appalachian Fire Managers and Scientists. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire Learning Trail podcast. In the last episode, I talked with Paul Nolan from Table Rock State Park about the Pinnacle Mountain Fire, a fire that burned over 10,000 acres and was the largest in the history of the South Carolina upstate. In this episode, I'll be talking with Michael Weeks from the South Carolina Forestry Commission. He was part of the collaborative effort to fight that fire, and he's also planning two controlled burns coming up for Table Rock State Park. So before we get started, Michael, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, I'm Michael Weeks. I'm with the South Carolina Forest Commission. I'm the West Unit Forester. And my background in fire is both wildfire and prescribed fire. I've been doing it since 2004. I've worked all over the state from around the Myrtle Beach area to the Newberry area, Rock Hill area, and now I'm up in the mountain area. I've gone through the certified prescribed fire manager class. and I've had my certified prescribed fire manager number for around 10 years at this point. Michael, in the last episode, we talked a lot about the specifics of the Pinnacle Mountain Fire, how much it burned, when it burned. What I want to know is what was your experience like fighting that fire? When wildfires get out of control and cannot be contained easily, we, ha- we can have what we had at the Pinnacle Mountain Fire. That fire just started as a small campfire that they got going and we could not contain it in those early stages because of the drought conditions that we were under. And it kept growing and ended up being over 10,000 acres. It burned DNR property, it burned on State Park property, and it burned on the Greenville watershed. And that fire, since it was not under controlled conditions, it did more damage to the vegetation than a controlled burn would. If you look on the mountain now, you can see black holes where everything was killed. Now, the vegetation will come back there, but it's, it's knocked everything back because it was just under conditions that we did not have control of. One of the amazing things about the Pinnacle Mountain Fire was the amount of community support that the wildland firefighters received. It was a constant line of people donating cases and pallets of water and food and snacks and and, uh, hygiene kits that, that helped this fire a lot. And the wildland firefighters are very appreciative of the people of Pickens and Greenville County and the help that they gave us. Well, and as we've mentioned, the size of this fire was something that we haven't seen in this area of the country before. So that's great that people were able to rally together and help the efforts. And so even though this fire was so big and burned two-thirds of this park, you're planning controlled burns coming up soon, is that right? We are planning on burning two blocks at Table Rock State Park. First one is the water tower block. It's approximately 44 acres. It's north of 11 from the the road that goes from 11 back to it down to the lake. It's a mixed pine hardwood stand that has not had any prescribed fire in it. Wildfire, we cannot find the last recorded wildfire in that area. Before we do this burn, we come out and we look at the boundary of it, make sure we can contain the fire and not lose control of it and set up our lines. The majority of our lines are going to be a paved road and then we will 
actually run a hand line down to the lake and also put a hose lay so we'll have water there. Well, I'll just tell what a line is. Sure. So to keep a prescribed fire in, within its boundaries, we put in what we call lines. And it's, we go down to bare mineral soil or we use natural man-made barriers that will not burn. As I said, part of the line is going to be the paved road and that road will not burn. And the hand line is when we come in with hand, a crew of about five, six people with hand tools and we rake away all the organic material down to bare mineral soil. And then we will light fire off of that line. And the, as the fire goes away from that line, it's taking away the fuel and widening that line. We will also have the hose lays all the way down that hand line and, and around the, the, the pave section to make sure that no spots get outside of our line. And what about the second area you're planning on burning? The second area we're going to burn is around the visitor center south of Highway 11. It's a primitive area campground. It is mostly pine mix. It is bordered by the lake to the south. And on this section, we will be putting in hand line again. It's about 30 acres. Neither of the planned prescribed burn areas were inside of the burn area of the Pinnacle Mountain fire. These are both outside of that area. The, where the Pinnacle Mountain wildfire was located is a very rugged terrain. This would be very hard to get a prescribed crew in there and burn that. And why are you burning these areas? What's the goal? These burns came about approximately two years ago. The state parks wanted to get in and do some, some prescribed burning to, and it will help uh, restore the ecology of the area and then also reduce the wildfire risk. These areas naturally burn before they were developed. And uh, that exclusion of fire that we have now has allowed certain species to thrive that normally wouldn't be there such as the mountain laurel and rhododendron that are they're getting higher on the mountain as before where they were always low near the creeks and the, and the water. Reducing the fire, the wildfire risk is we're taking away fuels when we burn it. So if there is a wildfire in this area that we've already burned, it's less intense and it's a lot easier for us to come in as wildland firefighters and contain that fire before it gets too big. The biggest difference between a wildfire and a controlled burn is the ability for the people working the fire to control the environmental factors the day of the burn. Now, we don't control the weather, but we can pick the right weather to burn it. When the Pinnacle Mountain Fire happened, we were under extreme drought conditions, and there were days that the wind was extreme, blowing over 20 miles per hour. When we do a prescribed burn in Table Rock, we will pick a cool day where the we're not under drought conditions, the relative humidity is not too low, and the winds are blowing in the right direction and at the right speed for us. And that allows us to control the fire, keep it in, inside our lines, and then also for the fire to do what we want it to do as far as controlling the unwanted vegetation. And you said you've been burning for over 10 years. What's the day of a burn like? What kind of planning and preparations do you do? When we're looking at do, conducting a prescribed burn. We always watch the weather a few days in advance. And when we see that we're going to, the predicted weather is going to give us the right wind direction, speed, humidity, and temperature, we start lining up our crews. Uh, the day of the burn, we will come out to the, to the track, 
inspect our lines, make sure they're, they're good. If they need any improvement, we will improve them. We will set up our water pumps and our engines in the locations we need them. At that point, we'll do what's called a test burn, where we will light about a tenth of an acre. And this will allow us to see how the fire is going to behave and see if the smoke's going to go up and go in the direction that it's predicted to go into. If it doesn't, at that point, we put that, that fire out. But if it does what we want it to, at that point, we will go in and just constantly light what we call strips, where we light a baseline, and then we will come in 100 feet off of that and run another line across it and let those two fires come together, and we'll keep running what we call strips until the whole track has been lit and burned off. After the, the flame has ended, we will do what's called mop-up. And that's where we patrol the lines, looking for any smoldering stumps or logs, and put those out so they don't smolder through the night, and make sure that that will keep the fire inside the lines. There will always be some smoldering through the night, but not as much after we do the mop-up. During the mop-up phase, we will also look for dead trees and that have caught fire and cut those trees down so there's not fire high in the air. That's, that can cause problems for us as far as containing the prescribed burn. You mentioned waiting for the right weather and humidity and wind patterns before you do a controlled burn. Is there anything else you take into consideration? When we burn, we always follow smoke management guidelines for forestry in South Carolina. And what that does, it, it restricts the days that we can burn. If we do not have the right wind direction and the right smoke dispersion, we will not burn. And that's to protect the public, to keep the smoke out of smoke sensitive areas, such as Highway 11 or residences. And I know I get asked this question a lot, but what do you guys do about any animals that are in the area? Do you take any special precautions to get them out before a controlled burn? A lot of people are concerned about wildlife when we conduct a prescribed burn. The majority of the wildlife gets out of the way of the fire. They know it's coming, they can smell it. There's, but there are also animals that are slower, that are, they're not gonna be able to outrun a fire. They go underground. Turtles, snakes, even rabbits, which are pretty fast, they go underground. And once you're five inches underground, you don't even feel the heat from a prescribed burn because we are controlling the fire and not letting it get too intense where it's extreme heat. So most of the animals do go underground or leave the area when we conduct a prescribed burn. When we con conduct a prescribed burn, the understory species like mountain laurel, rhododendron, some of the smaller trees that we're wanting to get rid of, that they will be burnt and knocked back. When it comes around to spring again, you will see lush vegetation coming up. It is very beneficial for wildlife. That's one of the main reasons we burn in South Carolina is a lot of hunters want to burn. So it draw the wildlife turkey love burned areas and also deer love burned areas. And what comes after the burn in terms of management? What do you guys do after a successful controlled burn? When we prescribe burn, we don't just stop at one time. The first burn really is setting up your future burns. It, it takes away a lot of the heavy fuels that, that will be consumed. And we, we like to get on a three to five year rotation of burning an area. 
But when you go in the second time to burn, it is a lot easier to conduct that prescribed burn because there are less fuels there. The, the fire brakes are already installed. You just have to go in and clean them out. So it should be an easier task to go in and do the second, third, and hopefully fourth burns as opposed to first burn. Okay. Now, Michael, I have kind of a sensitive question for you. Who pays for these burns? Because they're collaborative efforts between the South Carolina State Parks and the South Carolina Forestry Commission, and sometimes you guys even partner with the Forest Service. So just for anyone wondering, where does the money come from? The control burns that we're planning to conduct on the state parks in South Carolina are all funded through a U.S. Forest Service grant called Stevens Funds. These funds are set aside to burn areas that are near people's houses. And the premise of this funding is that if we burn an area, it is less likely to burn again, or if it does get a wildfire, that it is easy for us to get in and control that fire before it gets to people's houses. Ah, so working to prevent those damages ahead of time. Is there anything people can do if they live in these wildland areas or live next to forests? One of the things any person who lives near wildland can do is make your house what's called FireWise. And you can go on the FireWise website and see and see the things you can just do as far as landscaping and how you keep the plants around your, your house. Um, planting non-flammable plants, not having a wooden fence touch your house, keeping the gutters clean, keeping flammable materials away from the house can help your house survive if there is a wildfire in your area. And if you just do a quick internet search for FireWise, F-I-R-E-W-I-S-E, you should be able to come up with a lot of tips for your house. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining me and for guiding us on the trail today. In our next few episodes, we'll be visiting Daniel Boone National Forest and talking to fire professionals in Kentucky and Tennessee. So join us next time on the Fire Learning Trail. Thanks again for joining us on the Fire Learning Trail podcast. For more information, you can contact Table Rock State Park or the Consortium of Appalachian Fire Managers and Scientists at www.appalachianfire.org. And feel free to use our hashtag GoodFire, G-O-O-D-F-I-R-E, when posting about your visit to the trail.